Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's a big, big day here at the show. Lots going on. We have 8 million reasons to discuss the Pusha T filet fish diss track. We have Ari Wasserman with us. We have Max Olson, the Portal Authority, with us. Uh, Ari is hot. Ari's already started writing bars for his own diss track because he has to defend the honor of the filet fish But we have big recruiting news that is happening and... Like I said, 8 million reasons to discuss filet of fish, but we, we probably should discuss this first. Five-star quarterback from California, Nico. Oh, now I've already messed it up. Iyama, Ia, Ia. Oh I practiced this and I messed it up. I wrote it phonetically <laughs> on my computer because anybody listening should know that we spent five minutes practicing his last name in as a group yes. uh, before we came on here. So, uh Iamaliava yep. is the way that I Iamaliava. Nico Iamaliava. Listen, I got Tungo Vailoa eventually. We all did. And and listen, when you listen to interviews with this guy, big tool vibes coming off of him anyway. Uh I, I heard him, by the way, committed to, to Tennessee, told the rival site that covers Tennessee, Volquest, family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. He went to their game against Vanderbilt and he was sold ever since then. Family atmosphere works every time, but no, it's, this is the, this is the big, a big deal for the old Vols because they have not gotten a quarterback of this recruiting hype caliber ever really in the, in the recruiting rankings era, they have not gotten a quarterback ranked this high. This is the first time I think I read a stat somewhere since 2002 that they've gotten a commitment from a five-star quarterback. Yeah. James Banks would have been the one back then. That was, that was back when I was covering the team and uh, he didn't, he didn't work out all that well. Uh, mm-hmm. but this is, this is a big deal for them. And, and look, a lot of you internet sleuths who read Stuart Mandel's story about the, the player who signed the NIL deal that, that could make him 8 million bucks over the next few years. A lot of you internet sleuths think it's Nico. I'm just saying that we don't know. Nobody's told us, but a lot of you internet sleuths think that. Don't even know what you're talking about. I, I just, the, the, Look at the comments under Stewart's story. People, people have connected many dots. So I'm not gonna, I'm not casting any aspersions. I think Lane Kiffin might be, since he retweeted Stewart's story like two minutes after the news broke. <laughs> hey, but, you know, the, they've been messing with how the feeds work on Twitter. So maybe Lane just finally saw that story. He just he just that, heard about it now. Yeah. Just pure coincidence. <laughs> no, I mean, look, we we're not gonna cast any aspersions because Honestly, I don't care. Like, if they are, great. If they aren't, whatever. But if they are, or if if this is the case, though, doesn't this sort of fly in the face of Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State will just get even bigger recruits than they do now? As if that's possible. I think this is good. I think it's good. Uh, if, if, If this is the person... (laughs) <laughs> you know, if indeed, and, and it turns out to uh, shape up into the fact that a program that was once a powerhouse. And when I was in high school, Tennessee was the school um, getting their first five-star quarterback commit in 20 years. Then I think this is the, the intended or the hopeful intended result of this. Now, the thing that I think is most interesting is whether or not the other schools that, you know, you just mentioned are going to catch up. And I have a weird suspicion not, I don't have a crystal ball. I have a weird suspicion they're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do everything else better, they're probably going to do that better too. Um, but for the time being, if this is how how it's going to play out, then you know what is there to be angry about? You know, this is what's going to happen. And uh, you know, good for Tennessee if this is what happened. I think you know. I, 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 well, and that's the thing. About? 
it's it's not my money and it's a, it's a risk but all of this is like we're probably going to talk a little later about quarterbacks going into the NFL draft that's a risk like mm-hmm. most of the first round quarterbacks that get taken are busts and you pay a bunch of money and they're a bust but that is the risk of trying to land football players as they move up to another level specifically quarterbacks it is it is a risk no matter what. Here's yeah. the question that I have. Oh, go ahead, Max. You. Got- I, I was going to say, I, I, I think you could look at it from the other side of that, too. You, yeah, we can look at this and say, you know, is is any recruit worth that sort of investment, right? Just just going forward, right? Is, is there yeah. a sum of money that is ridiculous at some point? Um, but I think on the I, I look at the other side of that, too. And I'm not trying to hate on, on what Tennessee accomplished here, but um, if you are a player that is, you know, one of the top three recruits in the country, um, which I believe he is right now, um, and, and probably will be that way at the on back on, you know, on signing day. I think those right. three guys will stay at the top. I would imagine, um, you know, we talked about this before with, with Caleb Williams, Andy, and like, what are the most important priorities for you in making the best decision so that, you know, you can be a three and, and pro kind of player. You can be that number one pick or first round pick or whatever. And, um, you know, I think it's a really interesting decision by Nico from that standpoint that, you know, certainly there must be some faith that, Tennessee, um, you know, with him coming on board, can build the kind of recruiting class, not just this year, but going forward, a bunch of recruiting classes that, that puts them in contention and, and can also, you know, develop him uh, as, a, as a future, you know, first round pick. And, I, you know, it's a little bit of a gamble by him when you look at the track record here of Josh Heupel and right, his staff. They've not put a lot of, well, and not just Josh Heupel, but Tennessee in general. Right. Jo- they've had produced a lot of really good quarterbacks. They've, they've had one quarterback drafted in a decade, and that was Josh Dobbs. I'm, I'm sure that, um, you know, Josh Heupel can point to his track record and say, you know, he coached, you know, Landry Jones got drafted, Sam, Sam Bradford. Bradford got drafted. Um, you know, certainly looks like Dylan Gabriel will get drafted here. And, and um, you know, he can, he can point to those guys and Drew Locke at Missouri. But it's not like a, a, a big list for him or, or his, you know, QB coach or OC. And so it's an interesting from that, that standpoint, picking the place where you think is going to set you up best. It's a fascinating choice. Yeah, the thing that I'm most interested in with all this is if you guys look at the way that the recruiting world kind of has shaped out the last three years, um, the opening click, I guess, is how I would put it, where the five schools are the cool schools and those kids that are all at these camps that are together talk about these schools. And it always seems like the same top fives for all these top 100 players. And the, the question I guess from every other program on the outside looking in is how do we get to sit at that cool kids table? And, and this is how, cause I, is this I, how, I will so say like, this is why I, this is why I want to ask if you get a five-star quarterback from California and that legitimizes Tennessee, and then more people come in, but the money isn't there for everybody. Can Tennessee still kind of annex that? Because and, and maybe the money will be there. I don't know how far and, and why this. Collect- a, that's a good question. Yeah, that that is a good question because if you want somebody else really good, that and and I think one of you guys was headed down this path that didn't didn't quite get there. Does a school? And we keep saying Tennessee. But we can we can add some other schools into this bucket that expect to do better than they have been. Have money, uh, I would say. Nebraska's certainly in this one. Arkansas is, is one that has a, a passionate fan base, lots of money, and can do this. I would think in Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson that they they can they can take a discount, for lack of a better term. Like they don't have to offer as much because they can offer. We make first rounders here. Like, what's that worth to you? And and it is worth a lot. But one thing I, I but by the way, do, do why- you guys think that? I mean, so this is as of today, it's like a it's like a verbal commitment, right? He hasn't signed a letter right. of intent. Nothing. Yeah. Maybe nothing. he signed other stuff. We don't know. We don't know if anything's but been signed. Wouldn't yeah. you keep like if you're Dan Lanning, and I, I think Oregon had the crystal ball favorite before things turned here in the past few weeks. Like if you're Dan Lanning or these other coaches, like why wouldn't you keep recruiting this kid and trying to convince him to 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 flip and you know whatever nil stuff's going on? That's that's his problem. But w- shouldn't you keep going after him? Absolutely. You have until December. He has until December to decide. And you know, look, even if there's a deal in place, that there is no deal that anybody can make that says you have to attend a, per- a particular school. So what it may mean is. You don't get any money. Okay. Well, that somebody else will give you some. <laughs> so it, that I, I think that can be unwound if it needs to be. 
But yeah, the question though is, it's not eight million dollars for a quarterback. The question is whether or not that eight million dollars is going to be contagious in the sense that it legitimizes you as a as viable option for enough recruits to make you good enough to compete well, at that level. Here's my here's my question, guys. Does Nico himself do that? Because I've been watching interviews with him and reading about him, and there is definitely a little bit of a Pied Piper vibe coming off of him. He seems like a a, a guy guys want to play with, mm-hmm. and. Like, I'm, just I, like I, Arch just, Manning, just like Malachi Nelson. That's that's what. Well, these guys I went are. back to yeah. look at. Yeah, I went back and looked at Tua's recruiting class at Alabama, which literally may be the best recruiting class in the history of football. Yep. Like, yep. and how much of that was guys wanting to play with Tua? I I don't think it's all of that. Like, I don't know. I don't know that Alex Leatherwood. I'll said, tell you, Najee Harris did. That was a big part for him. Yes, hundred uh, percent. But but you had. Najee Harris, first rounder, Alex Leatherwood, first rounder, Jerry Judy, first rounder, Tua, first rounder, Jedrick Wills, first rounder, Devontae Smith, Heisman winner and first rounder, Henry Ruggs, first rounder. I mean, class sucked. That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. And three of those guys are receivers, which knowing the identity of the quarterback would certainly help. Yeah, was that we, the year that they the signed the greatest? That, that did pretty well, Andy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's the class that had the, the greatest receiver class of all time, right? Oh, I, I just named him. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's ridiculous. off the charts good. But yeah. then two, you know, two first-round offensive tackles, also uh, a first-round running back who is, you know, one of the more talented backs that ever came through the University of Alabama, which is saying something. So, yeah, it, it is. If Nico himself legitimizes Tennessee mm-hmm. and gets – I'm not even saying a class like this, two or three more difference makers in this class, whether that's through NIL, whether that's through, they just like him and want to play, but it doesn't matter if they go to Tennessee and not to USC, Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, you name it. Then that helps tilt the balance of power that helps Tennessee down the line now imagine so, tennessee doing it at the same time as arkansas and nebraska and mm-hmm. the eight other schools that we mentioned on last week's show right and then you take two or three or four for each of them that's 35 more players that are going to different schools uh, a year after 50 of the top 100 players went to four that that would be that would be the ideal outcome i think from a competitive standpoint sure. because I, I you guys help me here what, what other schools are we talking about that have the wherewithal the fan base and and you know that could do the passion to do this penn state michigan state certainly seem like schools Max, you would know this more than thing. us though like nebraska michigan. seems to be like a a major a major one here right Andy? i, I, <laughs> I mean yeah you yeah. saw i think uh, last week casey thompson bragged that the starters at nebraska are making six figures hey you're going to be a big deal in the state of Nebraska yeah. if you start for the Nebraska football team and whether that's and imagine, true or not no, i mean good. just throwing it out there gets people's attention yeah yeah so I, I think Nebraska, in the Big Ten, Nebraska, Penn State, Michigan State, could Iowa do this? Would Iowa do this? I don't know. I mean, what is this? Are we talking about what, what kind of – like you, you, you <laughs> <Yeah>, saw <laughs> – Get your collective going and let's go. Let's but But let's how, how, what's the bar going to be? Is it going to be – you know, as, as David Ubbin wrote in his piece on Tennessee's collective, I mean, is the bar going to be, hey, let's get 5, 10 million, 15 million together? So uh, for recruiting, I talked to David about this when he wrote that story. And, and we, we talked about this on the show, somebody from another school about that same time, independently of, of David's reporting told me 10 million feels like the number. Hmm. And that, that's not for a recruiting class. That is for an entire roster, hmm. 10 million a year, but that could go up. This is like, we talked about with Blake Lawrence on the show last week. None of this stuff is set in stone. No. Like this market is just figuring itself out. Plus you got the factor on inflation guys. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, right now we there's do. a lot in of this economy. Um, <laughs> you know who, but you know who pays the most in uh, in actual recruiting, like real recruiting expenses right now? It's Georgia football, Georgia. Yeah. right? Yeah. So like, and, and that number keeps going players. up and up and up. Yeah. So you know, like, ten sounds cool right now to start, but you know that's going to go up and up and up. It's it, right. It'll go up until it hits a level where because that's the the one thing people seem to fail to understand here is there is not some money tree that somebody's just plucking from. Mm-hmm. Eventually, there will not be money for it. So 
they will hit a number that that is like nope too rich for my blood so eventually that's gonna happen there's there's the other part of the there's the expectations part of that now too like like you said like let's assume that that um you know nico does have kind of that pad piper effect and and they bring on uh, some more top 100 recruits in this class right um i doesn't that sort of raise what your expectations are going to be for Josh Heupel and his staff pretty quickly here. And I'm not saying he has yes. to be Trevor Lawrence as a freshman, but shoot, I mean, you've got a three-year window there to really kind of put all the right pieces together. And the portal can help in terms of speeding that up too, obviously. But man, they, you would think once that kid's on campus, you got to get it rolling. You guys know what strikes yeah, me and, as odd too, and, and, is that we spend so much time in our stories and our thought processes and our conversations and these podcasts talking about which coaches understand recruiting, which ones get it, have a hunger for it, obsession for it. And it's just like, does Josh Heupel even, if this is what we're talking about here, get the credit for that? Because it's like we spend so much time uh, analyzing coaches and their ability to recruit and attaching that to whether or not they're right for the job. You guys remember the podcast after Dan Mullen opened his mouth when he shouldn't have after the – it was like, to me, I I assigned the entire – misunderstanding of what recruiting means at Florida to his ability to do the job. And like, I feel, I feel like, like Josh Heupel doesn't, I feel like Josh Heupel doesn't get credit for anything. And, and I'm saying this is unfair. Yep. Like for whatever reason, right. people ascribe, Oh, Scott Frost set him up nice at UCF. He, he left him McKenzie Milton, even though he signed Dylan Gabriel there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, Oh, you know, Tennessee just, you know, Hendon Hooker turned out to be great. Or look at all the stuff Oh, you did when Lincoln got there, right? It's like, well, right, you know, right. it's I'm the not same player. Take it away from him specifically. <laughs> I'm just saying, as a coach, no, no, I'm just saying it's, it's 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 not you. It's everybody. Like for whatever reason, there's some sort of mental block against giving Josh Heupel proper credit. We probably should stop that. But we're talking about like, a recruiting class and a recruiting staff last year that was trying to flip kids from Western Kentucky, and now we're talking about signing a top ten player nationally out of Southern California. So it's just like as the, as it continues to progress and these collectives keep popping up in new places and, and money becomes more of a conversation. And if you want to throw $8 million out there um, as a starting point and it continues to grow, at what point do we separate, if we do at all, what the coach is doing from a recruiting standpoint and the way that we evaluate his ability to do his job? Because like now, if this is what it's going to be, it's like Josh Heupel's main job now is to manifest success with the roster that somebody else helped him put together with well, money that he didn't have. This is, you know what this sounds a lot like the NFL. The NFL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where, where if you're coaching GM or, or, you know, if you're, if you have Bill Belichick, it's different. He's the GM. It's it, that the Patriots operate like a college team, but if your coach and GM aren't simpatico in the NFL, you have issues. Stuart Mandel and I talked about this on the phone the other day. And, and it's crazy because I think most college coaches are going to be in a position where the collective is going to go after who they see the coaches going after, well, know, like who they want. Anybody the who's blind yeah, can pick the top 100 players in the country. And but, go, we want those guys. What if, I mean, what? <laughs> what if a coach is on the hot seat? And this is all purely hypothetical. I'm not ascribing this to any one school because I yeah. don't think this has happened yet. What if you've got a coach on the hot seat and, and whoever's in charge of your collective goes, I don't like this guy. I don't, guy. Like I don't, guy. I don't yeah. trust this guy. I'm going to go. We're going to go get some dudes. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna coach him or or not. Let's see. And then, this then like, you have what if the Jim collective Harbaugh, shuts down all over again? What if the collective shuts down and goes, you know what, guys, we're gonna take the year off until this guy's out of here. We're gonna save our money oh, for a year. Yes. Yep. We're not gonna pay anybody. Oh, a that's dime. like an extremely SEC storyline. Of yeah, course, that's of gonna course. Happen Absolutely. You're telling me that LSU is not gonna shut it down if things aren't working you're, out? You're gonna shut the hose off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you gotta have great alignment with your collective. <laughs> you really did. Go exactly you have right. to have great alignment with the collective that you're not allowed to talk to directly. That's right. But you know, it's like the right. old Parcells thing. It's like hopefully you guys are interested in shopping for the same groceries here. You know. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's funny because the, in the NFL, the, the GM can talk to the coach. So they're perfectly allowed to. And sometimes they don't mm-hmm. like the, the Jack Del Rio. And sometimes the head coach the doesn't affect the GM, you know, a lot of times. Yeah. But it's like, how are we even going to evaluate the other way, other way around? We're just going to evaluate because even in the NFL, to a certain extent, coaches get, uh, you know, credited and, and, di- and, and dinged a little bit when they have bad draft classes. You know, and I know it's the GM and the president and all those guys who are, you know, all collectively doing it together. But now it's just like, are we only going in like six years if this really goes off the rails and this is going to be nine schools signing $10 million classes? um, Are we going to just evaluate these coaches purely on whether or not they make it past the Rose Bowl or they get into the playoff or they win 
their power five or power six, whatever you want to call it at that point conferences, because like that to me is a completely different dynamic of the, of the way that we even view the sport. It's like, is my, am I going to get laid off? Like, is my position even a thing anymore? Like Alabama's expectations are different than Nebraska's expectations. Like if Nick Saban doesn't get Alabama to the playoff every year, I know, but if, if people are paying equal money, the expectations better be equal. If you're a Michigan State fan and you're oh, a part yeah. of the collective and you shell out just as much money as Tennessee does, then you have the same reasonable well, expectations or the same amount as Alabama. It's all going to be dollars and cents. Doesn't now. Michigan State now have the same reasonable expectations of all the top schools because of what they're paying Mel Tucker? I mean, I, I think that like, that would be not fair. limited to players. Yeah. And it's like, do you want to pay money to a coach? to achieve a 10 and two season when that money gets you Nick Saban or Nick Saban ish money. And it's just like, that's a very, I mean, the James Franklin deal is very interesting to me. It's like, we, I think we know beyond a shadow of a doubt who James Franklin is. I don't think all of a sudden Penn state's going to turn into a perennial national title contender, unless somebody in, in East town out there, like drops a duffel bag. Well, and it, it just, it's just like a very, it wouldn't be a duffel bag. It'd be a Wawa coffee cup. <laughs> I did have to look up how much a million dollars looks like in uh, in cash. And you can't fit that much in a McDonald's bag. Even the big, like, plastic-to-go ones that your Uber Eats comes through. You, I mean, mm. we're talking, like, a big, um, like, barrel. Man, I, I would white. love to see Argy's Ari, Google history. There's got to be some insane is, shit on do you want, there. I mean, is, my Google this history is the ultimate segue, gentlemen. <laughs> we, we, we have, Wait, hold, hold Ari on. Ari has provided. Uh, can you just look at it? Because I'll read McDonald's. it to you right now. Can I, like, go look it up? Like, how do I do that? Do I just, is there, like, a drop-down there's menu? A, where there's, I can, like, a, I think, I think, oh, that's a good question. I okay, Wordle, for it. Nico Ayamaliava, uh, Yankees, uh, <laughs> Yankees, prospect because i was in a card break earlier and i didn't know what i what i got um best fast food fish sandwich double filet (laughs) fish elite eight television times what time does chipotle open and who is aaron donald (laughs) (laughs) jason jinx and mike sando had a big story in the athletic today about urban meyer's tenure obviously we all covered urban meyer in college uh we don't really believe he didn't know who aaron donald was like that's an unfunny person trying to be funny right Am I wrong I mean, his, there? His, his Fox work was out in L.A., wasn't it? Like, you'd think if you spent a little bit of time in L.A., you eventually hear about Aaron Donald. How many does a random I, fan have to watch to know who Aaron Donald is a week? Yeah, I, I think that's an unfunny I mean, person trying to be funny. Now, going up to Trevor Lawrence and, and talking about a receiver from Florida not knowing anything because he's from the South, that's a different story. Like, okay, what Trevor Lawrence is from Cartersville, Georgia. You've heard him talk, right? Also, isn't Clemson so, a Southern school? Last I checked. Last I checked. So, yeah. I'm, I'm not very good at geography. Saying Southern but... people are stupid to someone who sounds like Trevor Lawrence is probably not going to be received very well. And, oh, by the way, the receiver did not look like Trevor Lawrence. So, you pro- yeah. there's probably a lot more subtext than sure. that. Mm-hmm. And Trevor Lawrence is looking at that going, oh, good luck. Oh, good God. Yeah. What are we, what are we doing? I don't even know here? what this – like, what do you even say to that? Yeah. So this is it, it was for the same reasons we talked about when when Urban Meyer got fired, when he lit his tenure with the Jags on fire with the thing in, in Columbus, like he stepped into something that his style was not made for. And we said we, I wrote it when he got the job that he's going to have to change some stuff to make this work. He clearly didn't change any of it. He he doesn't have. I mean, you read the details in that, and a lot of them are are not. They're not shocking, but they're certainly extremely disappointing. That he has no stomach for a rebuild. No. And Ari, I know you can you can point to when he showed up in Columbus, and obviously the season before, you know, wasn't great. But that was not a rock bottom rebuild at Ohio State, obviously. Yeah. No, I think that was. I mean, I think you would have taken it's that job regardless, but it was right. Certainly the best roster. I mean, it was the worst roster Ohio State had during his entire tenure, and it went undefeated. So, like, it was, I mean, yeah, certainly that's the case. He and walked it's like into a great situation there, and I just well, don't. Braxton Miller was the quarterback. That's why it's yeah. hard for me to, like, there's a whole different conversation about, like, do, do we think someone will hire him again to coach a college team? And that's, you know, you can go, you can go down I, that I road. But, I, don't, man, I don't think there's just not going to be that many jobs. No, no, I agree. He, you know, No, no job for, that he would take would consider him in the era of NIL. We've talked a lot about college football. Uh, I mean, sorry, obviously. I talked a lot about Urban Meyer on this podcast, and I think it's always an interesting discussion 
But you want to know what really struck me about the story more than anything, guys? And, and maybe you can talk mm-hmm. about this. He was successful in college at multiple places having a certain um, temperament about himself where he made people feel subservient and he yes. made people, you know, this, this idea of if you're not good enough to do what we need you to do, then you're worthless to me. And that's a scary thing for a teenager. And then he went into the NFL and he approached the job the same way. And if you've ever had a conversation with urban Meyer, you know, he's kind of a dry sarcastic person who right. says things I mean, I can hear him saying all the things that they said he said in the story. I don't know if he meant it from a malicious place. Maybe he did, but that's the way he, the man speaks. But the biggest question to me is, is that a door that you have to open in terms of how unpaid athletes at all places are treated and what they have to stomach at the college level that professionals who have already made their millions of dollars just won't do? And why is it unacceptable at the professional level where people are actually being compensated for their work and, and acceptable at the college level? And well, then I, I go back I go back to Brock Purdy on the show here a couple of weeks ago. He said it and, and he, the way he said it, I had not heard anybody say it like that before. But we were talking about Matt Campbell and how Matt Campbell doesn't need to worry about the transfer portal because people enjoy playing for him and he tells them the truth. And and Brock Purdy goes, Yeah, that the transfer portal is going to expose a lot of coaches. Yes. Yep. There is, I think, a big difference with that, Ari. Um, and I and I noticed this too. Do you guys remember? When when John Beeline flamed out pretty quickly with the Cavs, yeah, the Cavs, yeah, you know, and I'm certainly not comparing the two men, but, but but my point here would be, I think there's definitely like this sort of baked in culture of silence in college football within a locker room, within a t- meeting room, and all that stuff, where uh, because the, the coach has got all that power and they can just cut you, and then your career is over, and yada yada. Like people see crazy stuff in their four years, five years, and don't say anything, don't go to you know, don't go to reporters or anything. And like very quickly in the NFL, like if you mess up an NBA, yeah, NFL, NBA on you. they go to their agents and their agents go to the reporters and that stuff comes out. It's just very different. Like, you yeah, I wonder if it's slip like, up like that as a result of the SID culture where only four or five players at the bigger schools are talking on a given week and you have to earn your time. And there's a lot of coaches with a no freshman policy talking to the media. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have this NIL thing come out where people are getting compensated and in, in marketing your your personality and, and being in front of cameras is a beneficial thing for you financially. And I wonder if college football's, you know, silence is going to progressively get closer to the way it is in the NFL. And I think, maybe I think it's, it's going to be much closer to the NFL be. because, we, I, listen, I think part of the reason Gary Patterson got fired at TCU last year was the way he lets his players or do, didn't let his players express themselves. And you, you never got to interview a good TCU player. Like it just it was never going to happen. And if I were Dave Aranda, if I were Mike Gundy, if I were anybody recruiting against Gary Patterson, I would say, look, we're going to let you be yourself here. We're going to put you out in the spotlight here. We're not going to hide you from anybody. If you want to, you know, sell yourself by all means. I'm, I'm sure that's what Lane Kiffin told Zach Evans. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. So it 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 is going to be a very different time, and I think a very different coach is going to succeed. It's interesting though, because the guy we talk about all the time being the more adaptable guy, does it not seem like Nick Saban is a lot more chill than he used to be? I don't think that's an accident. Yeah, it's true. Guess what? Nick Saban went to the NFL, and those players didn't feel like they owed him respect. No. And did not respect him. Right. So, so it's just such a different. Well, it's just it's, an interesting It's, thing it's interesting that gap. And, and yet you see these coaches, you know, you could learn from those examples and maybe change what you're doing a little bit. But I think that for in some ways, a guy like Urban Meyer is like, I'm going to go there to change the Jags. They're not going to change me. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. listen, like, it's all about money and, and on all walks of life. And, and you, you can act like it's not. But if you got paid or your check cleared and it's your cash, then all of a sudden you have less to lose. And I think that that college college mentality is I can't say anything. I can't do anything until I get my I might lose my scholarship, yeah. So now if you're paying a quarterback $8 million and he goes to Tennessee, and I don't know how the deal is going to actually be structured in that quote-unquote, if that's that's who it is. If that's who it is. Uh, But like the idea is – 
he's not going to be silent if something goes wrong or somebody says something, you know, off color to him or mistreats him or abuses him in any way. There's he has his money. He got what he needed. And you know, you, you, there's a certain level of, um, what's the word I'm looking leverage for? Liberation or, or leverage, leverage, leverage yeah. you have right, right. once and you're able to, to, to be in that position. It's, it's a matter of value. I mean, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer are a good example of this. And this, you'll see this in college now, like, Urban Meyer thought he was the most important person in that organization. Trevor Lawrence was the most important person in that organization. It's not even debatable. Mm -hmm. It was never debatable. Once they drafted him, Trevor Lawrence was the single most important person, I guess, behind the owner. Shad Khan would be the most important. Then Trevor, then maybe Urban, but maybe not. And and just because he's under contract for a long time, that doesn't make him any less important. Right. Because if he stops playing... That that becomes a problem. He he can withhold that, and that's why and, he's most important because it's the money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. No matter oh, whether no, he's playing or not. Yeah, well, and, and 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 all the money orbits around him, and I think you may see that in college too. And I know there, there's some people who are going to get upset about that, but that's life. Like that's how everything now, works. Whether people want to say it or not, the, the five yeah. star Heisman finalists are the most important players on the teams that they play on. So I mean, like, I, and I they always have been. I, know, I don't know why like, we have to like. Not us, but just people in general have to just tap dance around things that everybody knows is true. Who do you think is yeah. the most important player on every roster? I don't know. Let's go find the one that's highest on the draft boards and we'll just circle him. Most of the time, it's a quarterback. Yeah. Sometimes And sometimes it's a D-tackle. Sometimes it, it's, it's amazing how it, it, it kind of works just like the draft works too. Like, here's what they consider the most important. Like, they don't take a center number one. Tyler Linderbaum, best center to come along in 20 years. He's not going to be number one. He might be a first-round draft pick, which is pretty awesome for a center. Next week on the Andy Staples Show, we're going to go one through every uh, Division One team, and we're going to say who the most important person in the program is. Oh my God, that's a great show. But I wonder this if it would be more. This be is coach. why we pay the big bucks. Sorry, <laughs> it would be it would be more content machine coach in college than the NFL. Though I think coach would probably be the most important. Now, did, most did we do like our, our friends on Pardon My Take? All best player, most important player. The joke where you have the obvious best player, but you want to sound somewhat contrarian. So like, but that's the most the glue guy, the most important <laughs> yeah. player. But no, I, I I think that's a great idea, and I do that. That should be a set of shows next week, not just a show. I think that should be a set of shows where we. We break down some of the best teams in the country and, and who the best players are, who the most important players are. I, I think that's a but are, that's a fine idea. Level because their careers are so brief. I don't know that a player would ever supersede the value of of the head coach of the coach. No, unless the no, coach is not very good, and in that case, because, right? Not, yeah, there is a time element to it. Like, and and it's funny we just mentioned Urban Meyer. It's interesting. The guy who probably had the most sway swing whatever you want to call it, stroke at a college as a player in the last 20 years was Tim Tebow. I, you know, guys, there are some situations where the, the QB is way more popular than the head coach. That's true. I, w- w- would Kenny Pickett have been more popular than Pat Narduzzi last year? I just no, mean, everything was going I, well. I think we kind of saw it with, with Sam Ellinger, didn't we? I mean, they, they put him front and center because that, that yeah. was the, every, the guy everybody rallies around. If you go down and look at the list of the top 10 in the college football playoff poll the week that they announced the final four and you took added the final four teams and then the six that finished below, you guys know how a top 10 works. Uh, do you think, do you <laughs> think interesting concept? Keep going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got you. Don't I, do you think that any single one of those programs would have a person in that program? And I, even if you wanted to include uh, the athletic director or, administrators that are in that or boosters. I mean, you could, you could do the whole net. How many of those programs that were very good this past year have a person in that program that's more important than the head coach? I bet you it would be zero. I bet you'd be right. But because yeah. that, that does signify stability. Yeah. And that probably, because like in the NFL, a really good quarterback, that's a 15 year employee. So you do want, and yeah. you've seen it with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, the friction yeah, sure. where Aaron Rodgers didn't sure. feel like he had enough say. There's probably only one coach in the NFL that's the most important per- person in their franchise. Right, and I would Bill say Belichick. That'd be Bel- yeah. Belichick. Right. But, yeah. but, and some people would argue that Brady was, and, and I think most people at this point would argue that Brady was more important of yeah, those during two. During a long, long period sure. of time, I bet you that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, but in college, you're right. Because the, 
the best players are only there three years. You don't want you don't want a situation where somebody who's only going to be there for three years and probably only going to be super productive for two of those has more stroke than the head coach. That's probably a sign of a bad program. Well, do you think that's possible at Tennessee? Again, you're not giving Josh Heupel enough credit. I'm just asking, is that possible? Let's give Josh Heupel some credit. No, we're just talking perception. I don't know. We're just talking it's perception. Just talking I, here, guys. I, I, I mean, what, what are we doing? Well, we don't know. It, this is this is the other part of this. Anybody that tells you this is what's going to happen with these situations with NIL is lying or guessing because nobody knows what's going to happen. I have no idea what will happen when somebody who has a big NIL deal coming in gets on campus and then you know, maybe isn't as good as they're supposed to be or isn't quite ready to play or the coach just feels like they've got somebody else who is better. This is going to happen. Did, did anybody like what, going into what will happen when it does going into September last year? Did anybody make more money than Spencer Rattler? Nope. You know what I mean? So pinched. like stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's the other piece of it is you, you are going to have people who make money. I mean, you have people who make money with, with commercial. Jimmy Garoppolo has got a subway commercial. Now <laughs> he's very handsome. He's still probably not going to start for the 49ers next year. He's a very handsome man. We have to get to the big news of the day. We, it's we insane. About, we made people listen to this for 36 minutes before we get to this. Before we got you know to how the important my blood pressure news. is right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, get ready. It's about to go higher. Ladies and gentlemen, Osha T. I'm the reason the whole world love it. Now I gotta crush it. Vallejo fishes. Then you should be disgusted. How dare you sell a square fish asking us to trust it? A half slice of cheese, Mickey D's on a budget. All these crispy fish is simply it. With lines round the corner, we might need a guest list. Eggs is stage left, the sandwiches taste fresh. A little cube of fish from a clown is basic. Say less, this argument is baseless. Drowned in charter that filet fish is tasteless. See, Arby's only deals in the greatness. I bet the house on it like it's Vegas. Look, I could sell water to a well. How could you ever think I'd fail? Yeah, the crispy fish sandwich blazing trails. The mother clown's just too frail. Yeah, if you know me and you know me well, all fish is gonna tip that scale. This is a paid advertisement brought to you by the unrivaled, the unparalleled Arby's. Arby, do you feel personally attacked? I just was listening to the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, I do. This is this is why he put Drake in a body okay, bag the last listen. time they had a little diss track. L- off. Let me just get, let me say this before you go. If we're gonna air an entire Arby's ad on your podcast, I pray to God that they start sponsoring this so Ari has to do Arby's ad reads on your podcast. Yes, let's you know make what's it happen. Too is if you look at the athletic logo that's on the bottom left corner of our screen here. I don't know if you've been to Arby's, but they wear visors, um, and the similar. A is really really small on their visors, and it's identical to RA. Mm. Yeah. And like I've like I almost bought. Ar- I went I went to the Arby's because we don't have a merch store. I almost went to the Arby's <laughs> website to buy Arby's hats. <laughs> Because, you know, I thought, you know, but then I maybe would be Arby's. Uh, so, listen, I really like Arby's. I think that their their beef and cheddar is amazing. Curly fries are, are outstanding, sure, too. Sure. That's, yeah, absolutely. We can, do a, uh, we can do a random ranking of potatoes. I think but that how do you trust a square fish? That's genius. That, that that's only the, assuming that you think the fish is the smaller than the... That's the best track since hit them up. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord! Yeah, I almost said something inappropriate on here. Uh, I've got to control myself because we're talking about diss tracks here. But there's no question in my mind that you know you do what you who's paying you, right? Like you, you know, Dave Chappelle used to say, well, "If I'm if, pay, if Pepsi's paying me, then I'm drinking Pepsi, and if Coke's paying me, I'm drinking Coke." You but know, the, the backstory the backstory of this is is tremendous because apparently Pusha T and his brother wrote the McDonald's "I'm Loving It" jingle, and it's sort of like the lady who made the swoosh for Nike, where they just didn't get paid very much for mm-hmm. it, didn't didn't have the rights in perpetuity, didn't didn't have sync up their rights. And he said it taught him a valuable lesson from a business perspective. But there's legit like you can feel legitimate hatred for McDonald's <laughs> yeah. in, well, that, he, uh, he, in that ad. Can you some to you two just look at me in the eyes and explain to me why it took two people to write but up 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 uh, I'm loving it. Like who did the but up 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 part and who it came worked. Up the, I, I, no, I don't know. I don't argue with it. Like, maybe one person did the ba da ba ba ba, and the other one did I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> now, Ari, there's there's a specific criticism levied in this uh, in this this rap that I I would like you to address. I, you know, I'll, I'll level with you guys. I'm pretty sure I've never had a fillet of fish in my life. Okay, what? and what? Just have really? it. So help 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 the today, help pal? the public understand. Now, look, I thought about this at about twelve twenty today when when we were talking about this. I thought maybe I should go pick up one of each and try this and give kind of an honest assessment. But then I realized, that you know, like look, that's not how I'm trying to lose 60 pounds like Andy. Okay. So that, that's not yeah, the way Andy lost his 60 pounds, pounds by yeah. doing a McDonald's Arby's bang bang. That's also lunch. why I don't have any fish sandwiches in front of me as we speak. Right. Cause I thought the same thing. That's right. So explain to me, Ari, why do they put cheese on a fish sandwich? Do you like melted cheese? Generally? Yes. But how does that improve that sandwich? Because I, I don't know. Everything. Just answer. Like, you what, know, help me understand. Also, yeah, yeah. I know he's like making fun. Like, is there no cheese on the? Is there no cheese on the? Um, it didn't look like, like it. there's. There's no the cheese. cheese. It looks a, like there's a. The thing I don't know. How important like is the cheese to you on the sandwich? Or, That's what I'm trying to understand. I, here's my sandwich. When I order a filet fish, I go up to the window. I say I'll have a filet fish, fresh steam bun, extra cheese. So it's it's very very important. Extra cheese, okay. Yeah, yeah, because the he the one thing he did say was true is that there's just a small square. You know, I like to have a little bit more, but I like filet fish isn't the only fish sandwich with cheese on it. I'm like looking at so the, the best- Arby the Arby's fish sandwich is hanging off the bun, and I'm looking at a photo of an Arby's fish sandwich with cheese on it. Now it, it certainly seems like that's an option. Okay, uh, Arby's also, will so certainly be- you can just say no cheese. Yeah. So like I mean, and- it's. Now you can get cheddar at Arby's because the obviously the the beef and cheddar. So instead of American cheese, you can go with cheddar. Uh, I do like the spicy, the spiciness. The they have a Nashville hot, a Nashville hot fish sandwich. That sounds outstanding. Uh, I'm gonna go no tartar on any of this. By the way, I hate tartar sauce. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've never had the sandwich, Max, and he doesn't like tartar sauce. So why am I even on the show right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't understand what's going on. But, but here's here's the thing about the art, and this is where Arby's and and Pusha are geniuses. The Arby's filet fit one hangs off the bun. Now I'm I'm curious if we compare bun sizes, is the Arby's bun a little bit smaller? Because they'll game the system a lot of times with that. Mm-hmm. Also, but it hangs the off the bun. Fish too, so it's and it is nicer. asymmetrical. The asymmetry matters here. This is one of the few times in design where asymmetry beats symmetry. So does the, the square symmetry thing of the fillet of fish? Out? Does the fact that it's square like bother you? It makes it untrustworthy. Mm. There oh. are no square fish. It's wild caught Alaskan pollock. Now go Google Alaskan pollock and tell me are they square the show me one, one video of them actually wild catching pollock give me a it's, break. it's wild caught bro i mean advertising let me ask you this is the fish smaller than the patty is the fish smaller than the patty that's a like, good question who cares what the shape is the only thing i would be concerned about is if the patty was <laughs> I, bigger I, than the fish i googled any pollock and all i got are jackson pollock painting images <laughs> Jack, it's wild caught alaskan pollock now, okay, listen, that fish is not square, Ari. Not it doesn't square. have to be square. You can cut anything out of anything. I know, Wendy's hamburgers are square. Does that mean the cow is square? <laughs> but no. but I have for, I have formed a beef patty. I have never formed a fish patty. Well, when I have eaten fish myself, and I have cleaned fish myself. So here's what I'm going to say about the I just, shape. Wait, you, know, wait, you, you cut the filet. And this is the thing that I'm most passionate about here. Okay. We are talking about a fast food fish sandwich. So if you're concerned about what's in it or how fresh it is or what the shape of the patty is or where it came from, then you're eating at the wrong freaking place anyway. So like if you're worried about that, like Max used to send me um, Instagram videos of local restaurants in Omaha or Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I don't know which yeah, one. Like, block 22. Of, of, of yeah. making fresh made fish sandwiches that Sorry, block 16. absolutely yeah. w- looked amazing and probably are better than the filet fish and it's probably in the 12 or 13 dollars sandwich times as yeah. Much. yeah yeah are, are, have you ever gone to a food. like super nice restaurant that had a fish sandwich on the yeah. menu i mean i'm a i'm a fish and chips for i love fried right, sure, fish sure so like i it's not that the only fish that i enjoy eating is is the the fried mcdonald's variety all i'll say is that regardless of what's in it or what's on it I don't think about that stuff when I'm driving through a drive-through window, which is part of my problem. Hmm. So if you're criticizing the ingredients or you think it's gross or whatever, then then don't go there at all. Like, what do you think is in their beef? You think it's like some sort of? It's all crap. I mean, that's. I mean, they, your your health is is. Yeah, I don't it, think they're going to sponsor so, us now. Okay. 
Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. we almost we, we almost got. We were gonna get a McDonald's sponsorship, but not now. <laughs> in that way, know, but like you can't just, like, go to a fast food restaurant and like You're yell at me about. You're supposed to say nice quality. things about. We we said it. We teed it up. Okay, for you to say it's nice the most delicious sandwich in fast food. It's right, so amazing. We I don't know how we haven't gotten to this sooner. Now, Ari, one of the first things you said to us, and I think even tweeted when this came out, is you've had both, right? You've had oh, yeah. an Arby's I've fish had... sandwich. You've had a McDonald's fillet of fish. So paint us the word picture of what the difference is. So like. The, the McDonald's one is actually feels more processed. So like that to me is not helping people, but the McDonald's, it's, it's we, are, we are really not getting that McDonald's sponsorship. Now. No, no, no. But it's just, it tastes better. It's softer. The texture is better. The, the tartar sauce is better. There's a lot of lettuce on the other one. I mean, and they're all good. Like if there was a, if there was an Arby's fish sandwich in front of me, I would eat it. But if you, if you had to pick between the few, like Arby's fish sandwich tastes identical to me to the Burger King fish sandwich and the Wendy's fish sandwich. There's there's too much lettuce and there's too much stale, not very good buns. And like the bun at, of, of the filet fish sandwich is, is like 80% of the pool here, guys. Mm. Like, I mean, if you well, if you can get your, your a guy, Bill Landis, his secret to happiness. When we were doing that on the, the podcast. Yeah. When I was asking everybody the secret to happiness, he had the best one. Order good bread. His bio on Twitter is Bill Landis, Ohio State beat reporter, pass the bread. Like, so, I mean, all I want you to do, because it's like really hard to to explain it without sounding like I'm I'm making fun of them. I genuinely love the sandwich, Max. I want you to go to McDonald's and just eat one. Okay. And make sure that the bun is fresh. Yep. And And if you like cheese, get the cheese. The tartar sauce is delicious. And just take a bite out of a very fresh one. Now, the one thing I'll say about mcdonald's is that if you are unfortunate and you get the, a bad batch of it because like i can look down and say this this one has been laying out a little bit yeah. too long right right the experience like is napoleon dynamite ruined. at the at the 4-h yeah there's a spectrum of quality judging the milk yeah you have the this, mcdonald's display of fish got into an onion patch i think mcdonald's has the best menu items of all fast food but i also think that the variability of the freshness is the highest like the the quality control there is bad um but for the most part when you get a fish it's really, really good. So, I mean, I think that Culver's has a tremendous fish sandwich. I think that um, there's a few other ones in in fast, but I've eaten like a White Castle fish sandwich. So, like, I've I've made my way through. <laughs> Nobody has eaten more fast food fish sandwiches than me. Well, and and, and, we're, you, and we're in like uh, we're in like the 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 Lent fish menu season right now, right? Yes, which is probably so, why they dropped this. I, yeah, right. Um, what if what if In and Out did one, Ari? I, it would probably be fresh and delicious. Do you think it would be uh, the best of all? I think it probably would be. I would that I would get. No, yeah. you know what the best one would be if the brain trust in Atlanta got together and was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, just for this season, we're going to become fish fillet." Can you imagine the lines around the block for that? Yeah, and it's just like they're all kind of the same. Like the the Long John Silver's is actually a very underrated restaurant, and I don't go there very often because I feel terrible after I eat it. But if you've ever had like their, their <laughs> fish is pretty good for fast food fish, but they also do their chicken tenders. Ari, listen, Ari, we would like people to advertise on this podcast. <laughs> Your style of I love this place, but it sucks. It really does it not work. Suck. I'm like the number one filet fish ambassador. I have a hat in the other room, yeah. and I should have worn it for this podcast. It's a filet fish bucket hat. Delivered directly to me with twenty five coupons look, for free. Fit. Look, like, Andy, I'm, a, since, I'm an ambassador. Since we've already burned all the bridges, I, I do want to ask him. So, what's the worst one you've had? Um, they're all they're all okay. I really don't like the Burger King. <laughs> they're all the best and they're all the worst. When you think, no, about no, they're it. all fine. McDonald's is tremendous. Burger King's is just kind of dry and gross. Okay. Um, and Burger King is the bottom barrel of fast food for me. Anyway, um, I do think that the Culver's. Uh, as a entire restaurant chain is the most underrated chain there is because they're tremendous food. Yeah. Um, And I'm the kind of guy that always has a fish sandwich. So I just want you to have one. And like one of my buddies never had one. And then he heard the show a year ago and he had one and now he gets them all the time. So I I do think that you'll be like, and if you're not a fish tartar sauce person, then you're not going to be because of the, I think I can handle the tartar part again. For some reason, I just feel like the American cheese doesn't belong on there. Yeah, well, then get it without it, okay. and then and then maybe you'll you'll enjoy it more. Uh, there's no possible way that you can convince me because something's bigger that it's always better. And if you are, a, because like there's no question that the filet fish is the smallest version of the fish sandwich. In but like I'm just like thinking too. We did our our uh, our sandwich draft, Max. Can mm. you imagine? Oh like God. if you showed me that video in 2019, like what like like the world like 
What, oh, Andy, you would have loved this crap. This, the, the, the fact that this video even exists blows my mind. It's like of all the things that anybody in, in fast food could have been uh, made a diss song about. This is the first fast food. It's the filet fish is the target. And it's, it's not, I mean, it's not good. Song, it's, it's so You also, good. when you go to a places too, you get what they're known for, what they're good at. And, you know, some of these restaurants. And Arby's, like, they like, have the meat. You know, Arby's has a tremendous roast beef and cheddar sandwich. So if you go through Arby's and you, and I've done this before, but because I like want to make sure that I, the filet fish is still king. You know, and it is, but I'll never order that there again. I love, but, I love how you're just taste testing. You're, you're air checking the sandwiches. If somebody has a new fish the, sandwich, I'm going to try it just to make current. sure that the filet fish is still king and there's that's, no better sandwich. That's reasonable. I have to know what were you doing when this when this diss trap uh, dropped? I had what? just finished a workout, believe it or not. Okay, and I and I got home because this was, was just to, such a blindside hit on you on a Monday morning. Yeah, I was you know? enjoying my day. You know, we 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 got a lot of work to do uh, before we had the podcast. I was thinking about the Big Twelve. Because I think we're going to be talking about that in the future on the show. And it's just like, then somebody sent me this text and I go and I was like, what is this? Um, but it is like my personal quest too. And if you Google like fresh filet fish you can get a good look. The buns are steamed and they're soft and they're delicious. And I just like want you to try it. And if you don't like it, okay. then you don't like it. You know, I mean, I can't change everybody's mind, but. If you're a filet o fish fan, then you probably agree that it is the best fish sandwich. And if you don't like fish sandwiches, you're not going to eat them anywhere. So, you know, and if you're really hungry, get the double. Because <laughs> they'll stack them on there for you. We all need to watch the ladies' man again because it is the greatest opening line. Hey, sweet thing, I'm going to buy you a fish sandwich. That's how Ari landed his wife. That's how Ari became the world's foremost expert. Britt was mortified when she found out that I love this sandwich. By I'm way. sure she was. Yeah. She's she's a woman of class and taste. Hey, I, I'm just men. scrolling through my Twitter here, and this is a targeted ad. You know, th these things are always listening to us, right? And, and yeah. they know how to get yes. us. I'm scrolling through my Twitter. I don't like follow McDonald's or anything, right? But I've just been hit with a promoted ad from McDonald's. No one kind of likes the filet of fish. It's an all or nothing sandwich. I, I'm in on that. It was an yeah. ad for a for a two for six deal here. So oh yeah. Well, Max, you know are you gonna get one today? Or are you dieting? Um we'll, we'll, we can we can do one this week. Yeah, we can do one this week. The next time we have Max on the show, he will have eaten a filet of fish. Before you eat it though, you have to send me you have to send me pictures of it because I gotta, can't have you. You gotta tell me if it's like zero to ten, like what, what yeah, level of like, filet of fish I'm eating here. All right, guys. All right, let's do it. Max Olson. Reviews the filet of fish. We'll talk to you then.